Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm really privileged to be preaching this morning in our series on uh, Faith in Action, the Hall of Famers. Uh, we are been talking about these heroes of the faith who actually had faith in action, who lived this out. And all of these sermons are really about what is it like to walk with God? I mean, to actually walk with God. And uh, in fact, we're going to do a little Q&A at the end of the teaching time today about walking with God, how to walk with God. So as you're listening to this sermon, if there's a question that comes up during the sermon, or if there's a question that you've had just in this series about, man, they keep talking about walking with God, walking with God, walking with God. Love to answer uh, some questions. And we'll, whatever time I have left after preaching, we'll give to Q&A. And Lord willing, that'll be a few minutes. All right, we'll see. Um, so feel free to write that that down. Today we're going to talk about Sarah. And right off the bat, I you know, I can't intellectually be honest about this sermon until I tell you right now that it's so funny that there's this one little verse about Sarah in Hebrews 11. So I'd love to have you turn to it because we're going to have this one verse in Hebrews 11 in front of us that may not always be on your screen, although I'm going to keep bringing it back. So if you do want to grab your device or a Bible in front of you, uh, somebody said that it was on page 1212, which is cool because Hebrews 1111 11 on page 1212. Those of you with dyslexia are in trouble this morning. So, uh, so it's there. And it's this one verse on, on, on Sarah. <clears throat> and it's this phrase, and you'll see it in my sermon title here up on the screen that, you know, is really going to capitalize on a little bit. But because she considered him faithful. This is about Sarah's trust in God. But before we get there, well, here's the verse. Let's look at the verse. 11, 11 says this. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, you may know her story from Genesis. We'll get into it in a minute. By faith, again, Hebrews 11, it's all about talking about commending these saints of old for their incredible faith and the stories that were told about them. But in her story, she was past childbearing age, but was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. She considered God. She had faith in God. And so this miraculous thing happened. What I wanted to start with saying is you may notice in your NIV Bible and your Bible that you have, that there's a footnote, that there's maybe a different way to translate this. And if there's a different way to translate this, one of the ways that might be how you translate this is that it's not about Sarah at all. So I got to pick, I, when we drew lots, I picked the Sarah text. Great. I start studying on Monday. Here we go, Sarah, 11:11. And then I'm like, oh, it might not be about Sarah at all. Awesome. And because in the Greek, you guys aren't pronouns. And so we don't know, Sarah's in it, but we don't know whether it was she or he. And, the, and, and so here's like an alternative translation. You see, see the one on the bottom there. And by faith, Abraham, it could be he. By faith, he, together with Sarah, like Sarah's in the text. It says Sarah in the text. By faith, he, Abraham, together with Sarah, who was past childbearing age, wasn't able to bear children because he considered him faithful who made the promise. And so it may very well be that this text is written about Abraham. So it's not a sermon on Sarah. It's a sermon on Abraham part two. Okay. So it could be that it's about Sarah, about Abraham. Now, the best way to translate the Greek is that it is about Sarah. But the context gives the translators a little pause. So in their humility, they're like, uh... Maybe this is about him. And since we don't have the pronoun, you see that bottom pronoun there about he considered him faithful or she considered him faithful. The translators were like, we might have it wrong. So it might be about Abraham and we'll footnote it. I want you to note it. The reason I point that out to you guys, well, first of all, is because we've got to be intellectually honest. And I don't want somebody look, reading the footnote in their NIV Bible while I'm preaching going, um, hello. 
But secondly, because I want you to know that our understanding, I mean, our Greek text is 97 to 98% uh, considered um, certain. So we don't have ever concerns about like, we don't know if it really ever said that originally. No, we do. We have such ancient evidence. And their translation is so good that when there's these moments of like, or they footnote it for you. I want you to know that. I want you to see that. By the way, if you, you know, if you're like, oh, that's so good. I want to learn stuff like that. I have these to give away to anyone who wants one of these Bibles that front row. All right, there you go. All right. Um, And so I want you to see it there. So what do we do with that? Here's what it is. This could be about Sarah. It's probably about Sarah. It could be about Abraham. Clearly both are implicated because Sarah's name is in there. Even if it is about Abraham, they're like, and along with Sarah, she's included in this. Okay. So it could be about Abraham, could be about Sarah. It could be about both, but here's where we're landing friends. Today, it is about you. Okay. Because here's the truth that God reveals about walking with him. And so now we're going to talk about us and our reaction to it. Okay, so now let's jump into it and do a little Bible study. Here we go. And so here's the NIV text again. And by faith, Sarah, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Now, here's the first thing I want to do. I want to parse this by doing Bible study. I want to go, what is this whole sentence saying? I actually have to start with the very end of it. And I'll be trying to highlight in this verse as we go through, so you'll see where I'm landing. But here is, Sarah was past childbearing age, but she was enabled by God to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. So this whole thing starts, you guys, with a promise that God gives from the get-go that she was going to have a child. It's from the beginning, you see it. It's God had made the promise. So the first thing you want to know is first God made the promise. It all stems from God's promise. And let's go, what, what, like, what do you mean? What, what, why are you even saying that? I'll tell you the implications of that in just a second. But what is the promise? The promise was made over and over and over again. It was a crazy promise that Sarah would have a child. And so here's the promise in, to Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 12. Okay, and you know, when this is, is that this is when, when Abraham set out from his land to go, well, it says it right there, to the land I will show you, I'll make you into a great nation and I will bless you and your na- make your name great, you'll be a blessing. But that the promise is there, I'm gonna make you into a great nation. And Ben preached on some of this stuff last week, Ben Z. This is Abraham's call. What is interesting to note in this is that they were childless and yet they were being promised that he was going to be made into a great nation He was 75 years old. She was 65 years old. So the promise comes when they are already past the childbearing age. And that's the beginning of the promise. Here's the promise in Genesis 15. So Abraham said to God, you've given me no children. So a servant in my household is going to be my heir, right? Like you made a promise, but me having a kid, but clearly a servant's going to be my legacy. And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man, this servant's not going to be your heir, but a son There is the promise. Look, who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then here's the promise in chapter 17. And by the way, then that chapter 15, that promise came again. 10 years later, he was aged 85. She was aged 75. Here we are now in Genesis 17. And you see that Abram is 99 years old. Sarah, therefore, is 89 years old. The promise is still coming, right? The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and you will, and will greatly increase your numbers. They have zero children. 
Verse 15, God said to Abram, as for Sarai, your wife, you're no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. We're not really sure why he changed her name. Uh, you have to read about it in your study Bible. But I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. So the promise was clear. It was very specific. And Abraham fell down and he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old next year? Will Sarah bear a child at age 90? And then God said, yep, your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And then Genesis 18, another time the promise comes, God showed up in the form of three uh, angels. One of them said, I will certain, surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, I will now have this pleasure. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Those are the promises. The point is, is that the very beginning of this whole miraculous encounter was that God had made a promise to them to have a child. Now, having a child, you guys, I know is fraught with some angst and pain for many of us who have struggled with infertility and who may have longed to have a child in our lives. This text is a story about God creating a people for himself from the beginning of history to the point of a Messiah coming from them to rescue the whole world through the salvation of his son, Jesus. That's the story of this text. It isn't a promise or a story about childbearing, and it isn't just a miracle around fertility. And I know that for some of us, we may be carrying some real pain around that right now. In fact, I want to pray. Can I pray? Let's just stop and pray. So Father God, knowing and feeling the weight in your heart for folks who carry a grief around this around fertility, around childbearing, around being parents. I pray your comfort, your Holy Spirit over them now in the name of Jesus. And that as we talk about trusting God for promises, that they'd be able to hear that message for where it applies in their life, that all of us would not miss. This isn't necessarily about kids, but this is about trusting you and your word. And so now, God, we ask for the grace and the comfort of your Holy Spirit to all of us in the name of Jesus. Amen. First, God made the promise. Here's the implication of that, you guys, is that they weren't trying to have faith in something they dreamt up all on their own. It wasn't something they were like, you know what I would really like? I want this. I'm going to have faith in God, and I'm going to put my trust that he's going to fulfill that promise. He didn't. We dream up things that isn't God's promise to us. And I want you to see in this text, this miraculous story, why she's commended for faith. She wasn't just believing God for her own prosperity or for the, own thing, the thing that she wanted. It was God who started it. Sarah and Abraham weren't at 65 and 75 years old going, you know what, we need a miracle from God to have a baby. They were past that idea. They were like, let's walk with God. Let's walk with God. What do you have to say to us, God? We're your people, God. Let's walk with God. And God said, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be a great nation. And they're like, um, except. And so God repeated it again in Genesis 15. He repeated it again in Genesis 17. He repeated it again in Genesis 18. And then they had the baby. 
So it starts with the promise of God. And I want you to see that. They were taking him at their word. They weren't willy-nillying their own dream for their own life that was apart from the will of God. Do you hear it? So our faith, you guys, is not in, oh, if you dream it, you can achieve it. If you think it up and you want it bad enough, then God will give it to you. That's not faith. Faith is dependent on the word of God that has come clear. And notice that one of the implications is he, be, he made it clear in Genesis 12, and he made it clear in Genesis 15, and he made it clear in Genesis 17, and he made it clear again in Genesis 18. And we have his word, and we have his promises for life, rest, and peace, and joy, and fruit in his word here. And we walk with God the way they did, and we hear messages from the Lord over and over and over again that we then end up claiming because they weren't our dreams, they were his promises to us. You with me on that? I want to preach a whole sermon on that because some of our heartache is around, I just dreamt what I really wanted and God didn't come through. But our faith is in taking him at his word. Okay, I didn't have time to preach that that long. Okay, here we go. So first, it starts with his promise. Now, look at the next, this phrase I want you to see. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children. I love this phrase. Was enabled, empowered to have children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. So here's the second point that I want to point out in this text. They were enabled by God. I love the word. They were enabled. What enabling says is that they had an able part in it. And boy, is this our reality as we walk with God, church, that God's the one who did it, but they were enabled to be a part of it. It was very physical and very real, and they were very materially involved in this whole thing. In fact, it's so graphic. Like the words actually, there's like a word in here, like, like it's a, there's a word in here about like, like, like they were, had power for the, the spermatozoa to take root. Like it's very graphic. Like they were involved. And by the way, in order to get pregnant, even at that age. <laughs> so some of the men are like, I can get behind following this God. This is awesome. So they were enabled by God. This mirac- it was miraculous, but it wasn't totally unexpected because they were taking him at his word. It was God who did it, but it was of them and their actions. And where we're going here next is that, and I, don't, I, I have to stop talking about this part, that, that it was actually dependent on them being materially and physically involved. And here's, so here's the third point. Look at this word I want to focus on. By faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing, Age was enabled to bear children. Say the word with me. Because she believed, because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. You guys, this is a, I want to spend a few minutes on this because this might blow some doors off, especially at your first hearing. The promise was conditional. There's no way to get out of that reading of this text. Here's Sarah being lauded for her faith believing that God would be faithful and that he would be true to his word and that his promises would come true. And because she did, the miracle happened. Because she did, the miracle happened. It activated something in God. Um, This is what I wrote in my notes. Gulp. Does that mean it might not have happened? And I think so. So remember, here's how it worked. God made the promise and he said, hey, listen, I want to do this. And they went, okay, we believe. 
And then the miracle happened. How it could have gone was God going, I want to do this. And they said, no, I don't think so. Who wants a kid at my age? And then the definition in the text is, it wouldn't have happened. It says it happened because she believed. Or it could have gone like this. He said, I want to do this. And they said, uh, that sounds like a long shot. Why don't we just take our legacy into our own hands, work it out with the, a slave girl, or right? Which as we know from the stories, what happened. And God's like, okay, if you don't want my way. So this is a little bit of a mind blower for us, isn't it? Because we know, you guys, we know about the unconditional love of God. We know that. And his love is not conditional. He loves us no matter what. But listen to this. But the blessings we seek, the life we want to experience, the power of God in our lives, the intimacy with God that our souls crave, that is conditional in the scriptures. He's going to love us. But if we want to experience life from him, we're going to have to walk with him. And that is a conditional thing in the scripture. Here's just one verse. And I don't have time to go through the whole rest of the page that I had of all the other examples that I didn't put on the screen. But look at this one verse from John chapter 8. Let's move to that John 8 text. Thank you. One more. We love this text. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, and then you will know the truth. And what does the truth do, church? The truth will set you free. We love it. We love to quote that. The truth will set you free. But it's conditional. If you hold to my teaching, then you're my disciples. And I go on and on, and I start to think about all the promises. I literally sat and I thought, I want to see how many promises that I can that I know of in scripture. And I started to come up with all these. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Wait, it starts with if, it's conditional. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Okay, all right, here's one. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wait, it starts with if. Like we love that he's faithful and will cleanse me from all unrighteousness, but it starts with if I confess my sins, and I went on and on through scripture, you guys, I'm still digging into the scriptures. And so, you know, you can't totally hold this, hold me to this, but I think the reality of it is, I think most, if not all promises of God in scripture, I can think of, you'll, you'll email me. I think they're conditional. Why? Because he longs for our hearts and he longs for a relationship with us. And there are kingdom Ways. There are ways that there are things that work a certain way in the kingdom. And if we don't want the king, we won't experience the kingdom ways. And he won't force himself on us. Now, his love will keep coming after you unconditionally. His forgiveness will meet you in the deepest, darkness, furthest rebellion you have ever imagined. That is not conditional. He's not like, oh, I'm not going there. That's a little too far. Like that is unconditional, but the promises then are, and so if you turn to me, I will rescue you if you turn to me. So I think these promises in the scriptures are conditional, 
the intimacy we want with him, the treasures of his presence, the outpouring of his vibrant being into our thirsty souls dependent on us giving our hearts to him. That is a word for us today. And I don't tell you that as a word because I want to make, oh, let me have a really hard teaching and make you feel like it's conditional, improved. That, that's not what this is about. I bring this word because it should be good news to our souls where we're like, I want life. I want intimacy with God. I want the fruit of the spirit. I want the rest and the peace and the joy. And like, I want the leading of God. Like I want all the blessings of the kingdom. And you may have been wondering why you've been stuck with not, without kingdom blessings. And it may be because they're conditional promises and you haven't settled the issue of surrendering your own way and allowing Jesus to be your king. Because that's where this comes. Can you hear that? Man, that's what we long for for you. That's why we're like, let's walk with God because walking with God is he is my friend and he is my king and I will follow him and then these things come. All right, so related and I'm just gonna zoom through some of these last few principles and land on one thing I don't want you to miss. Related, look at this, last, this next phrase in the text that I wanna study. So by faith, even Sarah, past childbearing age, was enabled, empowered to bear children because, because what? Because she considered him faithful who made the promise. It could be translated, she counted on him to be faithful. She banked on it. Like she knew that he would be faithful. This is her way of expressing her faith is that she had come to know God in such a way that she believed that he would keep his word. And that's the point. She lived like it then. She lived like God would keep his word. She lived like that was going to be true. That's what faith looks like is that it's lived out. It's always lived out. We've talked about that in every one of our sermons. Faith is, these guys are, it's faith in action. It's, she believed and took it to the bank. Now, spoiler alert, this is where I'm landing in a minute. She didn't believe perfectly or unwaveringly. She didn't live perfectly or unwaveringly. But she believed he'd come through and she put her eggs in that basket. And so this is what she and Abraham were so, um, commended for, by the way, it's repeated in Romans, Galatians, James, and then Z talked about it last week, that phrase that says Abraham and Sarah believed God. They lived this, they counted on God. They considered him true. They believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, to Abraham as righteousness. They were right with God. Why? Because they did all these deeds? No, because they believed that God would come through for them and that his word would be true. And so they somehow acted on it. Going back to my sermon on Enoch a couple of weeks ago, here's the faith definition that I used, acting on what we know to be true. Remember the get, get in the wheelbarrow. Remember that illustration? Even if we have not yet particular, we have not yet seen it to be true. Acting on what we know to be true, even if we have not yet seen it to be true in a particular situation. That's what faith is. They had not seen anybody 90 years old give birth. They had not seen God meet them. And of course, they're longing all their lives for a child and a legacy. But they believed that what they knew about God was going to be true, even though they hadn't seen it in this situation. And somehow, and we don't see what it was like, but somehow we have to imagine it. They lived that way. I don't know what that looked like for them. They started getting the promise when she was 65. She didn't have the baby till 90. What were those years like? What was she living like in order to go, yeah, no, it's going to happen. Again, 
She wavered. We're getting there in a sec. But what would it look like to live like they believed that God was real and was in their story and that he would fulfill his promises when they hadn't yet seen it to be true? We'd have to imagine that in their story and we could tell all kinds of, of uh, you know, scenarios that might have been true. But I want to talk about us. What would it look like for you to live like God is real and his ways are true and the promises that he's given you in your word and in your walk over time that they're going to be fulfilled even though you haven't seen it yet? What does that look like for you? In your relationships that are broken, in money where you look ahead and you go, I don't, I don't know how to solve the things, the retirement, the, the baby coming, the whatever. Like, what does it look like for you to go, but I believe and I'm going to live like God is real, even though I haven't seen him come through in this circumstance ever before. In your frustrations with how life is going, in what it's like to raise kids and how uncertain and difficult that is, in your unmet emotional needs, we're like, Lord, this is a longing and an angst. And I want to just go do what I want to do. I want to go fix it how I want to fix it. But what would it look like to live like he will come through? And that's the, where the faith and the walk with God really gets exciting and dynamic. So, got to land here though. She lived like God would keep his word, but not unwaveringly. And that is for real for us. There's such a grace in this text that she's commended for her faith and God does this incredible miracle and she has a baby she's promised at 65 and she has it at 90 and what a crazy wild story. But she in the midst of that wavered, of course, in her faith and in her belief. A couple of ways she wavered. One of them is just flat out sin. They took the matters into their own hands and that's what we do. That, that, that Hagar story in chapter 16, you go read it. Like they're like, yeah, I know God keeps making this promise, but I don't see a way for this to happen. We'll just take care of it and we'll get a family lineage through this route. And God's promise was very specific. No, it's through Sarah. It's not through your slave girl. This is what I'm going to do. And they just took matters in their own hands and all kinds of harm came from that reality. And that's just the definition of sin. They're like, no, I got it. I'll do it myself. At 10 years, they'd had God's promise. It hadn't happened. So they were, and it was too late now for her to ever have a baby. And they're just like, okay, well, we'll just do it ourselves. And they had already done that twice before where Abraham was trying to save his own skin by telling two different kings at two different times that Sarah was his sister and not his wife. So that they would like, like they were on God's mission. And he's like, but I don't think God's going to take care of me. So I'm just going to take it into my own hands save myself, solve myself, all that. That's what we do. It's wavering in that. So Sarah had that experience. Then the other experience they had, which I don't even think it's sin, was just that total raw incredulity. Is that the right word? What? They were just incredulous. Like, how was this thing going to happen? And so they laughed. It's the laughing incidents. Abraham laughed and fell face down and laughed in Genesis 17. And then Sarah uh, laughed in chapter 18, and they were essentially going, I don't see ahead how this could ever come about. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And so they doubted that God could come through. And remember in that whole story, we didn't talk about the last verse in Genesis 18, where 
God said to Abraham, how come Sarah's laughing? Is anything too hard for the Lord? The last verse we didn't look at was, he said to Sarah, or Sarah, because she was afraid, said, I didn't laugh. (laughs) And the Lord said, yeah, you did. Why? Because I think in that encounter, friends, is a call to her, and this is for us. It's a call that no matter how we waver, no matter how much sin we like, I got it, I'll take care of it. Or no matter how much we doubt in our like, I can't understand how God's gonna solve this thing in the future. There's always, always, always the opportunity to admit that to God. Yeah, you, you did laugh. And to come back and to walk with him and live like he was gonna fulfill his promises. You guys, that's called repentance in the New Testament where Sarah was able to go, and this is what's different than any of the other texts so far that we've looked at in our sermon series, that there is this opportunity for Sarah, like she is commended for her faith, but she wavered, but clearly there was this call to repentance by God. I think that's what was happening in Genesis 18, where he said, how come you laugh, Chuck? I didn't laugh, and he's like, you know what? Let's just be real with where you are, Of course it seems crazy to you. Now come back to me and walk with me and watch it happen. And so as I leave you guys with this final word, there's so much great truth in this story about God empowering, about God being in the middle of this story, initiating it, about conditional promises and all that kind of stuff. And in the end, she lived like it was true, but not always but then she did again by turning around and saying to God, now I, I want to come under your friendship. Which, by the way, is how Abraham is described in three other places in the Bible. that He believed God and he was called because of that a friend of God, which is just walking with him. And repentance restores that no matter how far or how incredulous or how much doubt we carry we turn around and we go, no, what I know about you is that your promise will be fulfilled and I will submit my life to you. Now, band, come on out as we even just wrestle with this a little bit. Um, oh, no, you guys aren't out. No, 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 sorry. We're going to do a Q&A. That's what we're going to do. We've got a few more minutes. They're like in the other room going, what? <laughs> Let me pray for you about this and then, and then let's just have a couple minutes of questions. Father God, You are not asking us for duty or works, so to speak, or Boy Scout deed of the week. You're asking us to walk with you and submit to you and live like you will be the fulfiller of all of your promises, which really in the end is all of our dreams. And even some of us today come and resonate with the thought of repentance that I want to come back to you, God. I've laughed. I've tried, to take things, I've tried to take matters into my own hands. But I return to you again today and go, no, what I know about you, you're faithful and worthy of my trust. And I want you as my king and my friend, and I will walk with you. Speak to our hearts deeply, God, about how your arms are wide open to us walking with you again today.
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now, I don't know how many minutes we have. I've got, I'm lost track of time. But here, listen, a couple of questions. What do you have for, for us? When we talk about walking with God, and if it's too hard for me, I'm going to ask Pastor Shelley. And if it's too hard for her, we'll get Ben Zita. So we'll just, just defer those questions. So about our series and, and or about this sermon, Javier. And I'll repeat it. Um, so we'll try to keep our questions brief so that I can repeat them for our online community because you're not. Okay. Yeah. Is this an example? Is this an example of the fact that God only does things for us on some timetable? It's about the time, his time. on his timetable. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great observation. I mean, if we're going to walk with him, right, it's the opposite of going, this is what I want and this is when I want it. And there's this sense of waiting. You know, why would, why would God tell a story with them about the promise coming and have it be over so many years? I mean, what do you guys think? What is that about? What can you imagine might be there? Anybody have any ideas? Yeah? It's certainly a lesson in patience. It's a lesson in patience, right? For sure. But what is, yeah. Maybe they weren't ready yet. Maybe they weren't ready yet. He had more things to teach them, which goes with Meg's comment. Yeah. Shaping their character. Shaping their character, which is all part of the same answer. Right? God knows perfectly the timing for not only his things he's doing in the world, because this is about the bigger story, by the way. Our small stories are always part of the bigger story. I'm sorry to tell you that, Matt. I know this is mad in the world. I know. Revolves. No, just joking. But right, we do think that, man. My story. Our stories are always part of the bigger story. And so the perfect timing of years or decades or whatever are part of that and teaching us, shaping our character. They're not ready. They can't be his servants the way he needs them to be if he gave them what they needed right away. Unanswerable, isn't it? We actually don't know that. So what we do is we put our trust in him who we consider faithful. Because what we've learned about his character is that his wisdom and all that is good. Thank you, Javier, for that question. Yes, Janet. What was the life expectancy and at that time? I won't repeat that <laughs> for the online community. Janet wondering about the sex life of nanogenarians. <laughs> if you read, um, some of the commentary on the Bible with color on every page, there's actually something where she goes, how could it be that would I even at this point in my life have that pleasure? That word pleasure actually is also a sexual term in Hebrew. <laughs> how saucy is our God? <laughs> the, uh, the, we've had this, this question before. I refer you to Google. There are a number of things about <laughs> some of the 700, 800 year, 365 year, Enoch lived 365 years. I preached a couple, years, a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's clearly symbolic, 365. Um, probably people weren't living 800 years. Uh, these lives of them living 120, probably not symbolic. A lot less sin and a lot less corruption, a lot less McDonald's in their world and bodies lived potentially longer, especially if God had a unique purpose for them. So, yeah. All right, I'm going to see if anybody else before Javier has a second question. Yeah. Anything else about walking with God, about this story, about anything that I said? 
So many. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's Justin. Like, I was like wrestling with like, so how do, how do we do this without becoming like a work and perfectionism based? Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, Justin said, how do we do this without becoming a works or perfection-based religion or relationship with God? And I will, um, you and I will have a little more conversation later, but I will end with that because that is, is absolutely the crucial question. Because if that's what we do, if we turn this into, I'm working to please God and I'm finally good enough to where I'm going to start to experience some of the conditional, like if we live that way, then it becomes a religion and it becomes our works twisting God's arm to do certain things rather than friendship with God, walking with God, and simply being obedient to the things that God has for us to do. Because I'm not saying you should be better. You should do more. You should do things. That's not what the text teaches. The text actually teaches what was credited to them as rightness with God. Believing. And that believing is about faith, which is about walking in a relationship with God. So the answer to Justin's question is that we don't go out and try to get good so that God will give us more of his promises. We walk with God because his promise is not just like, stop doing that evil thing at work. His promise is, is about, I'm going to lead you today, the relationships you need to have, the conversations that are going to come your way, what to do with your, you hear me say it all the time, every hour, every dollar, every conversation, every relationship. When we walk with God, it isn't about doing good works and being a better person. It's simply about being God's friend. And when he speaks and leads, we're in touch with him and we're like, okay, I'll do that. And that unleashes, right? Being right in the very center of God's will. Again, let me say this, there are ways that things work in the kingdom. And so if we live by kingdom principles and we live in submission to the king, then the kingdom results will come. But if we decide, no, no king for me, not gonna walk with you. No, gonna live life according to my wisdom and the things that I want and feel like doing, then the kingdom outcomes will be absent. All right, I need to, I know, Gigi, I got to go. We're so, because I, I love you enough and know you well enough, I've known Gigi for 25 years, that I can just say, nope, sorry. Um, so band, come on out, and uh, we want to sing one more song as a response, because this song, you guys, this song, you know, this is the song Promises from Maverick City, and it's so good, because it's this reflection on the promises are God's truth. It's God saying, this is what I want to do in us. And the question is just for us to say, it's like God saying, I want to do this. And it's us either saying, yeah, I don't really want that. Or it's us saying, well, that sounds like a long shot, so let me figure out a way to make it happen myself. Or it's us saying, okay, I want your way. And then the blessings are the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives. May our hearts surrender to him even one step closer to Jesus again today coming back in repentance where we're far away as we consider these thoughts about being God's followers. Let's stand together and worship in response.